Victory Church. There we go. There we go. My name is Troy. My wife, Darla, and I get the incredible privilege to pastor this church. And as Pastor Brian and Malcolm said, next Sunday, my wife will be up here bringing the word. And so it's going to be a good day. A lot of ladies go to her small group on every other Wednesday night, and they're loving it. She said, uh, she said we're going we're gonna to stop it for the summer. And she and all the ladies said, no, we're not. And she said, okay, no, we're not. And so they're going to keep it going. So those of you that have ever been interested in joining her group, but you don't really know what it's like, you get to hear her speak firsthand next Sunday. And we can't wait to celebrate you mothers. We can't wait to celebrate and put something in your hands and say thank you for all that you do. If you are visiting with our church today, let me say welcome. I want to let you know and remind you we're about four things here in Victory. We're about, God, we're about growing, guiding, giving, and going, okay? Helping people grow to know God, helping guide people to their freedom, helping people give an opportun- have an opportunity to give out of their purpose, and then let them go and make a difference. And so for the next few weeks, I really want to just kind of highlight what we're doing as a church in the going aspect, because sometimes churches think, well, it's all about what's happening inside the building. And you, because you're so faithful and you're such a giving church, there's so many things you're doing in the community and across the world, and I want to celebrate that. Um, Because of your faithfulness, because of your faithfulness in giving and in tithing and in purpose prevails, are you ready for this? This year, Victory Church started supporting its very first missionary. Come on, come on, give God praise for that, right? So I want to show you a picture real quick. This is Katie Carter, okay? Katie Carter is in Costa Rica. She's in Costa Rica, and here's what she does. She has created a ministry that in English is Girls of Promise, and I'm going to do a really horrible job of this, but in the way they call it out there, it's Chicos de Promoso, or something like that. Um, So the good news is I got a video that I'm going to be showing you the next couple weeks of that ministry, but here's kind of what it's about. In Costa Rica, young ladies, uh, you know, definitely uh, probably what, I don't know, maybe 10 and above, 10 to 18, there's just a lot going on that's attacking their lives, whether it be sex trafficking, whether it be abuse, whether it be any kind of slavery, any, any type of thing that they might be dealing with in Costa Rica. And Katie is a part of a leadership team that's put together this program, this school, that all of these young girls can go to after school, and there's young women there to mentor them, there's young women there to encourage them, educate them, it's a safe place. There's a great video that I'll show you in a couple weeks that really gets into that, but we started supporting her. She's so excited. We are working now on the details to try to do a missions trip as a church out there to be able to be hands-on. Soon as she's in the state, she'll come by and say hello. Darla and I have known her for years. She is incredible. Feel free to follow her on any of the social media outlets. We'll put that on our social media outlets as well. But you, church, already, not asking you to come out of your pocket today, because you faithfully give and because you tithe and you gave to Purpose Prevails, you have already started to support her and you will support her from, go, from moving on out of here. So would you just give yourself a hand real quick? Look at this. You didn't even know that. You were in Cheddar's eating lunch Saturday. You had no idea that your money was ministering to young girls in Costa Rica. That's incredible. That's what happens when you're faithful and you trust God. You can be eating a cheeseburger and be helping girls' lives all the way in another country because of your faithfulness. Amen? Amen. Amen. And we're going to keep doing this the next couple weeks. I'm going to tell you all kinds of things that you've gotten involved with this year that you don't even know about, that your money is going and encouraging all the way from Smyrna to Costa Rica. And so it's incredible. Hey, if you got your Bibles, I would normally, before you start turning, I would 
would normally give you a verse and you would turn to it and that would be kind of the solid scripture for today. The problem is I got about nine verses, not really, probably six, that we're going to look at today that are all over the Bible because there's all throughout scripture it supports the subject we're talking about. And so I can't really give you a scripture to turn to. I would really more encourage you to take notes, encourage you to write these verses down that we're going to talk about so you can go home and read them. If you are just one of those people that you have to have something to turn to, then the one I would encourage you to turn to is 1 Corinthians chapter 12. That's where I would tell you to go ahead and put your bookmark. That's the one you want to really read through with your family this week because there's so many interesting and profound things when we get there, but there's so many scriptures we're looking at today for this question. We are in a series as a church called You Asked For It, and on Easter Sunday, we, we polled everybody in the auditorium, if you could write my sermons... If, if you could ask a question, if you could say, what does the Bible say about this, what would it be? And we got so many questions, and they are profound. And last week, we answered the question, how do I remain happy when life is heavy? And this Sunday, I want to address the question, does God really have a plan for my life? Does God really have a plan for my life? This question is actually going to answer many questions. One question was a question that said it like this, uh, how do I discover the path God has for my life? This is going to answer that question. I had one question where uh, obviously a young woman said, how do I get my husband to come to church? This is actually going to answer that question. I'll explain that in a minute. And there was another question that said, how do I get my friend who thinks that they are good to know that they need to come to church. And this is also going to answer that question. And here's how this answers that question. First of all, for the husband and friend question, step number one is to pray for them. It's just to pray for them. There's nothing more powerful than your prayers. But second is for them to understand that there is a purpose for them to be at church and a purpose for God to operate through them. Most churches in modern-day America today, they aren't telling Christians that they have a purpose. And so, like a lot of us, we start to wonder, why am I coming here every week? What's the process, especially when I can watch online? And when you start to understand that God actually has a purpose for you, there's another reason to be in the house of God. And that will help, especially a husband, because men are all about, what is my purpose? And so, today I'm going to answer that question. I'm going to answer how do I know or does God really have a plan for my life? We're going to start off Jeremiah 29, 11. It's the first verse I really want you to read and understand. And it goes like this. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. I know the plans. There it is. Question, answer. We can all go home, right? We can make it lunch easy there. God does really have a plan for your life. And here's the description of that plan. They are plans for good and not for disaster. So if you've been taught that God is all about removing you from the things you like and making you join some Christian boot camp for the rest of your life and you can just suffer till you die, that's not the case. God has a plan for your life that is good, means you're going to enjoy it. And watch this, and it's a plan that has a future and a hope. doesn't matter how old you are or how young you are, God has a future plan for you and that plan involves so there it is. We answered it. Yep, God has a plan for your life. Done. Ready to go. But more than likely, now your question will transform into this. Well, then what is the plan for my life? Because when you ask that question, you're not looking for a yes or no answer. What you really want to know is what is the plan? I know God has a plan for my life. He's God. He's the big guy upstairs. But what is the plan? What does it look like? And this is my it, this, this, this runs through my veins. When I got saved, this is one of the main things I felt the Lord taught me about 
Christianity and purpose is that I have a purpose for myself on this life. And it just, it means everything to me. And the answer to this question, I believe, is the third main reason the church exists. I think the church, ex- church exists for four reasons. Number one is to help people know God. It's the main reason. The second main reason is to help people find freedom. Because there's a lot of people who can come to church and still not be free, right? I think the fourth reason is to put you in a position to make a difference in the world around you. That's what I believe. And then the third reason in between two and four is for you to discover the purpose God has for your life. That's the reasons I think the church is. And so I'm going to answer that question for today. What is the plan God has for my life? You ready? Here we go. Number one, your design reveals your direction. Your design reveals your direction. Paul is getting ready to write this letter to the church of Rome, and, and, and he kind of puts it in the process in our Bible when it's translated, separates it in chapters and verses, and this particular verse ends up in chapter 12, verse 6, and he says this, in his grace, in God's grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So God has given every one of us different gifts, which is why some of us can play basketball and some of us can't which is why some of us can sing and some of us can't, which is why some of us can dance and some of us can't, right? right? He's given us different gifts for certain things. So first of all, Paul is saying you and I are different. Now, some of us have the same gifts, but some of us have different gifts. But really, the gift is not the concern, the understanding that you have the gift for a certain reason. There is a certain plan that God has for your life. And I'm going to tell you something that, that I started to realize throughout this week, and it's going to really open up to you, and that is that my destiny, I'm, so, I'm sorry, my, my, my design reveals my destiny. The way I'm designed reveals my destiny. And here's how I know that. Because anytime you're going to create something, you do not create it and then ask, what is its purpose? You create it because you already knew a purpose that you were trying to accomplish. Let me give you an example. Right? When somebody made this microphone, somebody had to design and build and create this. And so when they got ready, they designed it. They said, hey, let's make it with the cylinder uh, plastic part, and let's make it battery operated so that it's wireless, and let's create this thing in here that amplifies a voice, and let's put this cool little miniature chain link fence looking thing over it that will be able to help with feedback. And, And they didn't set it and design it and create it and then go, all right, what is it? What are we going to do with it? I created it. What do you want to do with it? Right? It doesn't work that way. Somebody said, hey, we need a device that will amplify the human voice. And we need them to be able to hold it. And we'd like it to be wireless so that when they move, they don't trip. And we would like all these different techniques to it so that there's not feedback. And when they spit it, you don't hear the spit in the, in the amplification. And, and we, want, we have all of this reason. And now, because we know the purpose of it, we can design it. Right? So, so let me give you another example. Somebody once said, hey, we need something that we can bang on a drum set with. And so they started to design it. They didn't build it and, you know, kind of sand it down and put this cute little tip thingy that, that looks like a, a large Q-tip. They didn't and make it and then go, okay, what do we do with this? A la Kazam, woo, you know, I don't, I, don't, I don't know any Harry Potter references, I'm sorry. But whatever, you know, just a little lightning bolt, bam. You know, I mean, there, there was a purpose for it. Because listen, if we just created it first, 
we would have the temptation to want to bang drums with this and want to sing with this, right? Because if we create, it's like, I don't, this looks like, what do you want? Let's just sing in it. Ah! That's all the damage I'm going to do to your ears. <laughs> Doesn't do anything. Well, hey, let's bang a drum with this. I'm not going to do that because that would cost the church money. But you understand that what they did is they came to a place where they needed something, they had a plan, they had a purpose, and then they created it. Get ready, all right? If you don't listen to the rest of the stuff I say for the rest of this time, hear this right here, and I'll put it on the screen so you would not forget it. God mapped out your plan before he created you the person. He mapped out your plan. God decided what he wanted to do with you before he ever created you. Because God would not have created you and went, hmm, what do I want to do with her? What's my prayer? No, God figured out the plan. This is what I want to do. And then God created her. God doesn't create Jamal and then go, what do I want to do with Jamal? Taco Bell needs uh, for, okay. No, wait. he said, man, I need somebody who's going to lead my people in worship. So then God creates Jamal to be able to fit that. When I met Jamal, he was in an apartment complex near our church, and he was riding the bus to church. And as a small, well, I don't even know how old you were, bro. He was in this kid version of American Idol at our church. And he was singing. I was supposed to be Simon Cowell. That was my character in the little play. And Jamal was singing. And God had designed him then for now. Because God maps out your plan, and then he designs you around that plan. And it's so important for us to be able to get this. We have to understand this, that we can start to realize, hey, if I will just look into my destiny, I'm sorry, if I look into my design, I will start to reveal my destiny. Look what Jeremiah 1 verse 5 says. Watch this. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before I ever made you, before I ever gave you a voice, before I ever gave you a big ears or a big nose or little eyes, or before I ever formed you, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I, I appointed you as a prophet. God appointed where he wanted you before he ever formed you. And that's so important for you to understand because you will quit criticizing the way you were created when you understand he created you like that on a purpose for a plan that he predestined long before he ever created you. Said, man, I need this in a man. I need this in a woman. I got to create somebody that'll do this. I got to create a woman that has the patience to deal with Troy Powell. And so I got to find some way to create her and give her all the things she needs so that she won't beat him profusely during the week. And he created Darla. That's not her only purpose, but he created, that's one of her purposes. Creates her. And we start to learn, man, this is why God designed me the way he designed me. And he, watch this. Once you realize this, you'll start to see your design and you'll start to see spoilers for your destiny. All right, let me explain. Y'all ever heard of spoilers? How many of y'all seen Avengers Endgame? Anybody here seen? All right, a few of you. You know, it made a little bit of money over the past couple of weeks. Okay, so a few of you seen it. So there's this thing going around Instagram called a no context spoiler. You heard about this? Okay, and what it is, it's a meme, it's a picture. I'm going to show you one. And if you've seen the movie, it makes perfect sense. You're like, oh, 
But if you haven't seen it, it doesn't ruin anything for you because you have no idea what it's talking about. So if you're normal and you've seen the movie, you're like, oh, cool. If you're weird like Pastor Brian, you're like, I don't even know what's happening right now in this picture. So, so let me give you an example of this picture. You got one of those? Yep, okay, here we go. So this is an Avengers Endgame spoiler without context, okay? So this means a lot to us, right? Those who've seen the movie, come on, can y'all talk to me like you've seen the movie? You've seen the movie? This means a lot. To you who haven't seen it, you're like, what does Jumanji have to do with Avengers Endgame? What is Robin? The Rock ain't even in there. That's what some of y'all are saying. That's not Jumanji. Okay, this means a lot to us who have seen the Endgame. It means nothing unless you've seen the movie Cliffhanger to you if you haven't seen it. This, I was joking about this this morning. This means a lot to us. If you haven't seen it, it means nothing to you. This, <laughs> sorry. It means a lot to us because we've seen it. So it makes sense. Oh, that makes sense. If you haven't seen it, it makes no You can take it off now. I don't want to ruin anybody's movie. Now watch this. Once you start getting into the plan that God has for your life, you will look back on the things you've experienced and the way you were designed, and it'll make sense to you when it didn't at first. I, I don't know why. I don't know why my dad left when I was little. It doesn't make any sense to me. And as you see the plan that God has for you, oh, that makes sense to me. I, I don't know why my mom and dad got divorced when I was 11. It doesn't make any sense to me. But the more that I grow up, I go, okay, that makes sense to me. I, I don't know why I act the way I act. I don't know why I talk the way I talk. I, I don't know why I have that influence or, or this influence. It doesn't make any sense. But the more you get into the plan God has for you, the more it becomes a spoiler without context. And you start to understand, wow, God was doing this on purpose for a reason. Let me give you some spoilers in your life without context. Number one is this. What you are passionate about shows what you're purposed for. Whatever it is that you're passionate about, there's a reason why you are passionate about it. God made you passionate about it because he wanted to point you to your purpose. There are things you're passionate about that I'm not. Let's just play some tests here. Some of you are passionate about exercise in the gym, right? Some of you are not, right? Some of you are passionate about saving the animals. Vegans unite. You know what I mean, right? Oh, no, okay. Apparently, none of you are. And so, you know what I mean? Just people are passionate about different things. Some of you walk into a room, and if there is one piece of trash in the room, it drives you crazy. You are like slapping people. Like, you don't even see that? Why is God giving you breath? You know what I mean? Like, you need to, it's just, uh, it drives you crazy. And some of you literally live in trash on a daily basis, and you're like, I didn't even see that cup. Where, where is my donut that I had in here last week? I don't know where it went. You know what I mean? It's just, whatever is passionate. Some of you, if you walk into a room and stuff is not completely straight, if it's not color-coordinated, right, if, if, if that chair is over here and this, oh, it drives you crazy. Some of you cannot go to a child's play at their school because the perfection of the microphone will drive you crazy because what you're passionate about points to what you're purposed for. And people will try to shut up your passion. And God gave you that passion for a reason. There's a re People will say, man, why are you so crazy? Don't let them call you crazy. Just say, hey, I'm just passionate about something you're not passionate about. That's okay because God didn't purpose you to do it. When I get with Scout and we're hanging out, all he talks about is music. He'll put on me, he'll, he'll turn up music so loud, I literally want to poke my eyeballs out. And I'm like, dude, I don't even care. He's like, and he's so random. It'll be like 21 Pilots and then The Greatest Showman and then Celine Dion. I'm like, what is happening right now? 
Like, he's just so passionate about music. It's so, he's just so passionate, and I'm not. But that's okay because God didn't purpose me to do music. But God purposed him. What you're passionate about points to what you're purposed about. Number two, what people have always told you about you, it's true, but it was on purpose. That whole thing, man, this, is, this thing about you, there's a reason for that. But God gave it to you for a reason. I was told when I was in a ministry school, I don't know, I was probably 18, 19 years old. I'm not really sure the age, can't remember. And my roommate told me, he said, man, you're so good with words, you could cut people off at the knees. And I was like, at the time I was like, well, thank you. <laughs> right? But I'm learning that, that what people tell me about me, it's true. But watch this. It's my choice whether I use it for righteousness or ratchetness. You know what I mean? It's my decision whether I use it for God's power or man's pettiness. And so I can use it to put people down or I can use it to encourage and lift people up. So I understand that it's not something I need to change. It's something I need to change the direction of, right? It's like quit doing that. Don't quit doing it. Just do it for God. Because God gave you that talent and that ability for he made you you for a reason. You just need to learn to use it for positive and not for negative. Third, what you can't stand is my favorite one. What you can't stand, you were called to fix. This, I'll preach a whole sermon on this. If there's something about this church, you've been here for a while, you walk in today for the first time, if there's something about it you don't like, guess what? God called you to fix it. Yep. You, you walked in, you said, man, that floor was dirty. God called you to mop it. Yep. If you walked in and all of a sudden the sound went right, God called you to fix it. If you went to nursery and the nursery was too packed, God called you to rock a baby. Like whatever you can't stand, God has called you to fix Understand that. God didn't call us to go to other people and complain about it. God put something in it to bother us so that we would fix it. There's a reason why my friend is in Costa Rica dealing with young women in Costa Rica because she couldn't stand what was happening in Costa Rica and God called her to fix it. God didn't call me to fix Costa Rica. But God called me to be faithful in my tithes and offerings, and he'll use my tithes and offerings to help my friend who was called to fix Costa Rica, right? So when we understand what we're called to, what, we, what can't you stand? I can't stand that kids don't have parents. You better mentor somebody you were called to fix it. I can't stand the education. You better teach somebody you were called to fix it. I can't stand the traffic. Get you a cone and a reflector jacket and get out there and fix it. You know what I mean? Nobody said hi to me. Then sign up as a greeter today. Whatever you can't stand, God called you to fix. Could you imagine if Christians would get that in their spirit? Most Christians spend their time going this. Let me tell you what I can't stand. What they should be saying is, let me tell you what I'm about to fix, right? Could you imagine? I'm telling y'all, darling, better stop with that. We'll, pre we'll be here. We'll be on this one topic till Mother's Day. You know what I mean? Some of y'all be like, yeah, brother, got to eat. Last but not least, your, your personality is a peek into your purpose. Whatever your, hey, guess what? If, if you're quiet, that's a peek into your purpose. Don't let people try to make you loud. If you're loud, that's a peek into your purpose. Don't let people try to make you quiet. If you're crazy, go to V Kids Elementary. They need some crazy people, right? What, 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 <laughs> you can tell who serves at V Kids Elementary. Whatever your person, I was talking to, and I'll talk a little bit about him throughout the service, but I was talking to a friend of mine who goes to church here, and, and uh, I'm meeting with him and a couple other guys because I see, I see future pastors in them. And so I'm meeting with them and just kind of walking through some stuff, and I'm talking to them one day at breakfast, and I said, uh, I said all right, guys, on a scale from one to ten, one meaning you are completely terrified. Ten meaning you are completely comfortable. How, how, where are you on the scale when it comes to getting on stage in front of people? And, and one guy answered, another guy answered. I got to this third guy. Here's what he said. With or without a shirt? 
But that was a peek into his personality. He's funny. He's crazy. He's silly. He, he's, he, God's going to use that. It's a peek into your personality. Make sense? All right. Let, let, me, let me say this. If you don't understand that God designed you to be able to fulfill your destiny, you'll get to a place where you're bitter about your blueprint. And you'll want to change it. And you'll want to be other people's blueprint. But when you understand that God designed you to do you, boo-boo, and you get that, then you can own it. One of the things I'm so excited about this church is we do something called growth tracking. And in step two, we help you find out how God designed you. You, you do these activities that are, that are they're, they're, they're not biased. You just, you answer questions, however honest, we just ask you to be honest. You answer the question, nobody knows your answers. You just answer this question, you dial it up, you put it together, and then this, this process tells you, here's how you are designed. And every time, if you're in here and you've done it, you know, you'll be like, that, yeah, yeah, that's me, it's crazy. Because God designed you. And what we're all about, when you hear us talk about growth track, here's what we're about. Let's figure out how God designed you, and let's put you in the place to operate in the way God designed you. When you go to churches, it's often like, hey, we're going to put you where we need you. We don't do that. We don't put you where we need. We trust God to bring the people we need. We put you where God designed you to be. And when you operate in that, you start to fulfill purpose. Now, it's okay if you go, ah, I thought I was supposed to do this, but I'm not. You can keep moving. We just want you to find where God designed you. Because when you find where God designed you, you get into your destiny and you start operating and finding purpose. And guess what? Church is no longer church. Church is about purpose. You know what I mean? And so that's today, step two. You're going to talk about a lot. If you want to you find out, you're in here and you're like, I don't know what I'm designed for. Well, you can go find out. 30 minutes, we'll watch your kids. We'll give you some peanuts. Go in there and find out how God designed you. Amen? So your design reveals your destiny. Number two, your plan is about significance, not success. I was thinking about this because if we're not careful, you can get offended by the statement. Now, let me explain myself. Remember when you were a kid and you would dream about what you wanted to be? Remember that? Some of you dreamed about being a superhero. You'd tie the towel around your neck, run around the room. My daughter told me she wants to be a veterinarian. You know what I've noticed? Kids never dream to be successful. They dream to be significant. No, I've never seen a kid walk around with a briefcase talking about, you know, whether or not the stocks are going to go up or down. They want to be significant. They want to they make an impact in other people's lives. Let me be a hero. Let me save animals. Let me be a nurse. Let me be a doctor. There's never somebody who's worried about success. They want to be significant. The plan God created you for was never driven by success. It was driven by significance. Ephesians 2 Verse 10 says it like this, for we are God's masterpiece. That's a whole other message for you. If anybody's ever told you you weren't, there's truth that you are. You are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. Watch this. So we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Planned for us long ago. Long before you were born, long before your mama was born. God planned what he wanted to do with you long ago. You were created for a purpose, not a profession, okay? You were created for a purpose, not a profession. Now, I'm not going against, pastor is my profession. Being able to impact lives is my purpose, okay? So I'm not dissing any kind of job. I believe God gave you talent for your career, but he gave you anointing for your calling, okay? He gave you talent for your career. There's a reason why you're good at what you do because you got to make money and you got to meet people and you got to support your family and you got to have an impact and an influence. God gave you talent for that career, but He gives you an anointing for your calling. And the reason there's a difference is because career is often about you and calling is often about others. 
And so in a career, you find success, but in a calling, you find significance. Make sense? I believe that when you look throughout Scripture, there are four real ways that God calls his people to the plan he has for them. Okay? I can't, I can't stay up here, stand up here with common and say it's the only way. But when I study it through, I see four main ways that God calls his people to their plan. So if you're here going, well, what is my plan? And I've already told you that you need to look at your design. Now the next step is you need to be able to ask yourself, have you experienced one of these four callings? All right? First one is this, a call from birth. A call from birth. You see this in Jeremiah. Again, as we read where he said, you knew me in my mother's womb. We also see it in Jesus. Right? Jesus' purpose from the moment he was born. A lot of us have a calling from birth. Here's what that looks like for you. You ever heard somebody say, well, ever since you were little, you've always done that. You ever heard that? Man, when you were a little bitty baby, you would get, you would get in your underwear and sing. Right? It's a call from birth call from from very very little young age there's been signs of you wanting to do this Darla and I are convinced that my nine-year-old will be a lawyer because she can argue paint off the wall it is insane I'm like you are gonna you better make a lot of money right and I, I used my mom used to tell me this. she said when I all right, now don't judge my parents they weren't saved uh but but I used to watch Dirty Dancing as a really small child all right that was my movie y'all watch Dirty Dancing sinners and so um <laughs> I'm kidding. Great movie. And so I'm watching Dirty Dancing, and uh, I, I would dress in all black because I wanted to mimic the, the Patrick Swayze character, right? So I'm in all black, and I would just be, the, I'd be in front of the TV, and I'd be mouthing things. And y'all remember the end, the famous end, where he's dancing with Jennifer Grey, and he's like, and I owe it to you. Y'all know that? All right. We're going to have a Dirty Dancing party later, right? <laughs> Us three. And so there's this moment where he does that. And, he, and so I would stand in front of the TV and just go, and so one day my, my mom comes up to me and she tells me the story. She says, she comes to me and she goes, hey, honey, question. What do you want to do when you grow up? She said, I looked at her and I said, I want to wear a suit and stand in front of people and talk to them. One out of two ain't bad. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> one out of two ain't bad. As I grew up, I realized I, neckties don't work for me. And so you just start to understand there's something, there's just this calling on you from birth. Man, ever since you were little, you did this. That's where the first call. The second one is what I like to call a continual call. And continual call. This is something that just kind of followed you throughout your life. You know, you were 10 and somebody said you should do that. You were 13 and somebody said you should do this. Can, can I tell you what? Let me give you an example that it isn't calling, but it's fun to talk about. I have been told that there's a certain celebrity I look like, all right? Um, before y'all laugh and before any of you say it's Bobby from King of the Hill, <laughs> let me tell you who it really is. One day I had my, my assistant's friend came to church and she said, you look like Channing Tatum. And all the women said, Rap, Pastor Brian, come up, man. Wrap it up. We're ready to go. Salvation. Okay. So my assistant, did. she didn't like that at all. She was like, no, my friend's an idiot. There ain't no way. And, and, and so, like, weeks go by, and we go to a restaurant, and the waiter walks up, and the first thing the waiter says is, anybody ever told you you like Channing Tatum? And I looked at her, and I was like, how you like that? And then a few weeks go by, a few months go by, and we're all doing a wedding together. One of our friends is getting married, and the lady who's coming in pinning all the little, little flowers or whatever on us, she's pinning it, and she's sitting there, and she goes, has anybody ever told you you look like Channing Tatum? And I was like, yeah, girl. <laughs> she said, do you dance like him? I was like, from Step It Up? And she goes, no, from Magic Mike. I said, back up, back up, chick. <laughs> Darla, get her, baby. Flex your muscles. You know what I mean? But it's just a continual, it's a continual thing. You, when, when, when everybody's telling you it, 
When, 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 when mama tells you, now I understand mama might be biased, but, but when your pastor tells you and your best friend tells you and a dude that works at the barbershop tells you, it's a continual call. It's continual. This was Joseph's life. It just continued to follow him. There is something that's continuing to follow you. And it's the calling God has on your life. You can't get away from it. Third is an opportunity call. This is Esther. She had no idea what she was getting into. She just stepped into her opportunity and she was put in position to save her people. This is an opportunity. The reason why I meet with those three guys I told you I meet with is because I just want to give them an opportunity. I was given an opportunity. I'll never forget, a gentleman by the name of Don Hardy looked at me. I had joined this ministry called Master's Commission, and I had never, I, I didn't have any younger brothers. I had one older sister. I couldn't stand children. Couldn't stand them, all right? Could not stand them. Love them now. Couldn't stand them. And this guy, Pastor Don, comes up to me, and he goes, we were going to put you in kids' ministry. And I pointed back, and I said, you're an idiot. <laughs> so this, this ministry is torn. Me and Darla ended up being children's pastors for six years because it was just an opportunity. And when you get into the opportunity, you find out this is God's plan. Most of the time, your plan that God has for your life is right on the other side of an opportunity that you don't want to take because it's uncomfortable. Because it's not successful. I want it to be in the spotlight. I want success. God says, I didn't create you for success. I created you for significance. And if you'll just step out in the opportunity, you'll find out. I never knew I was going to pastor and plant a church. And if you would have told me that pastoring kids leads to it, I would have said, you're crazy. But I just took an opportunity. There are people taking opportunities at this church who are just saying, you know what, I'm going to hold a door. Why are you holding a door? Because it's an opportunity. And while I hold a door, I might end up leading people. And while I'm leading people, people see that leadership skill in me, and then they move me over to this director position. And as I'm leading people, Pastor Troy, sees, and now he's meeting me for lunch and telling me I'm a pastor. And then they plant a campus in Mount Julia, and now I'm a pastor. And all of a sudden, I went from holding a door to pastoring a campus. How does that happen? Because of an opportunity. It's an opportunity, church. And then last is what I call a call-out. This is a God encounter moment. It's happened with Saul slash Paul. He changes his name. He's just doing his thing, and all of a sudden, boom, God, and whole life flips upside down. Whole life changes. It's an opportunity. If, if none of these have been your life, guess what? Today is, is your call out. <laughs> this is your God encounter moment where you went, Rrr. God's got a what? God's got a plan for your life. What's sad is most people go throughout their life trying to find their purpose, and they settle for a profession. They search for their calling, and they find a career. I, I saw a statistic that said that 87% of the body, the church body, does not know their purpose. 87, this is not unsafe, these are, these are Christians. 87% of people in the church do not know their purpose. Could you imagine if 87% of your body didn't know its purpose? How awkward, you know, just how, I mean, you, you, like your, your foot be trying to feed you, right? Your ear be trying to smell. Like you just didn't know his purpose. How awkward would that be? And this is, this is, here's where 1 Corinthians 12 comes in, and it's so profound. So, again, you'll want to read this because I couldn't give you all of it today in, in time, but, man, it's powerful. First, uh, I'm sorry, is it 2 Corinthians 12? Maybe it's 2 Corinthians. I thought it was 1 Corinthians 12. I still think it is, but that might be my bad. Here goes. Starting at verse 12. Your body has many parts, limbs, organs, cells. But no matter how many parts you can name, you're still what? One body. So you have all kinds of different body parts. Touch your ears, touch your nose, 
touch your toes. Anyway, but, but you're one body. You're one person. You don't walk up and we'd be like, hey, how's Darla's ear? How's Darla's kneecap? Like, it's just Darla's body. It's exactly the same with Christ. This is one body. Although you might be an ear and you might be a toe and you might be an eyebrow, this is one body. Christ's one body. And he watches. I want you to think about how all of this makes you more what? Significant. Doesn't make you more successful. It makes you more significant, not less. A body isn't just a single part blown up into something huge. In other words, you don't just see a big toe walking around, right? What would it look like? We all, we, what would we all look like Mike from Monsters, Inc., and we were just one big eyeball? Like, you know, it doesn't, you don't see that. It doesn't work that way. It's all the, di- here, I love this. It's all the different but similar parts. We are different, but we're similar. Arranged and functioning together. I love this. If foot said, this is foot, if foot said, I'm not elegant like hand, embellished with rings and fingernail polish, getting filed and rubbed, I guess I don't belong to this body. Would that make it so? No, right? And if ear said, I'm not beautiful like eye, limpid and expressive with eyelashes. You know, you never walk up to a girl and go, man, you have got the most beautiful ears. You don't do that, right? The eyes get the attention. If the ear said, I don't deserve a place on this head, would you want to remove it from the body? No. You ever seen somebody without ears? Something's off. You want your ears. If the body was all eye, I love it. How could it hear? If everybody was preaching, who's serving? If everybody was leading worship, who's running sound? If everybody's running sound, who's watching kids? Right? If everybody's an ear, how are we smelling? If everybody's an eye, how are we hearing? Understand there's a reason and a purpose. As it is, we see that God has carefully placed each part of the body right where he wanted it. A plan so, so long ago. Hear me, hear me, hear me. If you ever say that God does not have a plan for your life or you ever hear somebody saying God doesn't have a plan for your life, it's like acknowledging a body part on you that has no purpose. So I thought about this. I said, what body part is the absolute most useless body part? There were some nasty thoughts. Then all of a sudden I thought about eyebrows. Unless you're the rock, you don't use them very often. You know what I mean? I mean, I get it. If you're Mr. or Mrs. Biological, I get it. I understand the problem. The sweat doesn't get under my eye. I understand. But my education was like, what are they here for? Right? I don't know. And I started going, man, I'm, a, I'm an eyebrow. I'm an eyebrow of the church. Like, like I, I, I'm not a hand like Jamal. I, I, I'm not an ear like Pastor Brian. I, I, I'm not a mouth like Andrew. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not a foot like Sam and Q. You know, I mean, I, I, I'm, just, I'm just an eyebrow. I felt myself saying, like, I'm just an eyebrow. Like, like, I get up and talk for 30 minutes, and half the people don't even like me. I'm just kidding. That's not true. But I was like, I'm just an eyebrow. What's the purpose of an eyebrow? And then I thought, what would we look like without eyebrows? And then I found this. And then I realized, eyebrows have purposes. <laughs> yeah. I thought, man, I got a purpose. Okay? This is Anne Hathaway looking a hot. She looked like Joker from, you know, I mean, like, come on, help me. What is happening right now? What is, what is this? What? Eyebrows have a purpose, right? You can take that off. Nobody can, can focus looking at that nastiness. Right? Eyebrows have a purpose. I have a purpose. And here's the understanding. I just need to do what I'm able to do. 
It's so simple. How do I know the plan God has for my life? Whatever you can do, do it. Don't try to do what they're doing. Do what you can do. Do what you can do. That's what I love about this church is I find so many people who are doing what they can do. Like, man, man, this is what I do. I'm I'm good at it. Can can I tell you a quick story? I know I'm running a little late, but y'all got to bear with me on this. Okay, so so I'm talking to Bobby, Bobby Goins, and and, and he's he's been kind of trying to find his exact purpose and trying to do what he can do in the church. He does so much. And I find out this story where where he, in talking to Malcolm, they talk, and they find out that when someone joins the dream team, there's so much excitement. But when they walk in the door, we're all so busy and running that they might get kind of missed, right? So so Bobby, Bobby gets put in this position where he's responsible for all of the process of when you join the dream team, he makes you feel like you are welcome. He has this, this packet he puts together and this process, and I thought, man, he's doing what he's able to do. Do you know the only reason why you wouldn't do what you're able to do is if what you're able to do doesn't bring you success? If I don't get spotlight. No, if you do what you're able to do, you now find significance. I just need the ear to listen. I don't need it to smell. Just needed to just do what you can do, boo-boo, right? How do I know the plan God has for my life? Number one, your design reveals your direction. Number two, understand that it's not about success, it's about significance, so do what you can do. And lastly but not leastly, here we go. You ready? Watch this. If your plan is faithfulness, if your plan's faithfulness, then God's purpose will find you. I started thinking, man, who are the most significant people in the Bible? thought about King David. Thought about the disciples, thought about Elijah. And the more I thought about him, I thought, you know what? King David didn't feel like an application to be a giant slayer. There's never a point where you see him in line going, I just, it, do I put my full name? Is it King David or just David? There's no application process. The disciples, they, they, they weren't running an internship with Jesus. You know what I mean? Elijah wasn't out there on LinkedIn trying to find out if he could be the next, you know, prophet. Well, they were just faithfulness. Do you, do you, know, do you know what happened? David was in the pasture with the sheep. We talked about this. And they came calling for him. David, David, no, no, sir, I'm not supposed to, David, Samuel asked for you by name. Come on, brother. Okay. You know where Elijah was? The Bible says Elijah was plowing in the field. Elijah came by and threw his mantle on him. You know where the disciples were? They were fishing. One of them was at a tax collector's table. And here's what I'm learning, church, that if we are faithful in the season we are in, if we will do what we can do by the design that we've been designed, if we'll just be faithful in where we are, our purpose will find us. I could talk to you about the individual who sits right here, who one day came up to me after a youth service and said, hey man, what do you need? I just, I just want to, what do you need? And I said, man, often on Wednesday nights, I'm the last person leaving. I sure would love to have somebody with me for security. And so he would just wait around after Wednesday services, just wait for me. He wouldn't talk to people. He wouldn't interrupt. He wouldn't beg for my attention. He would just quietly sit right there and wait. And if, some, if he needed to move a chair, he'd move a chair. He'd just sit there. And when everybody was gone, he'd carry my Bible, he'd grab my bag, and he'd walk me out to the car. And we'd get in the car. He'd go get in his car. And I understand something. He was faithful in the season he was in, and now here he is in another city with his wife and his precious baby girl, fulfilling the purpose God has for his life, and he doesn't even understand that he's still being faithful in the season he's in, so purpose is still going to find him. I could talk to you about Sam and Q, who when they moved here, they weren't doing kids' ministry. Q was all about sound. That's what he did. Samantha said this, I'll just do whatever I can do, and purpose 
found her. I could talk to you about my buddy right now who pastors in Waverly, Tennessee, and he walked into my youth service one night, and he was playing the drums after service, goofing off, and there was something about He was like my friend that said, well, you know, with or without a shirt. He had that kind of personality. I walked up to him, I looked him right in the eyes. I said, Cody, I'm telling you, there's a calling on your life. I had never met the boy in my entire life. I said, there's a calling on your life. He said, oh, really? He followed me and stayed with me. For now he pastors a church in Waverly, Tennessee. If you'll just be faithful where you are, purpose will find you. You know what's happening to, you know why 87% of the church doesn't know their purpose? Because they're all out searching for it. Meanwhile, there's places to serve and lives to impact, and they're not doing it. If they just be faithful where they are, God's plan and purpose finds them. Does God really have a plan for my life? Yes. Read Jeremiah 29, 11. Okay, thanks. What is that plan? First, how are you designed? What do you like? What are you passionate about? What do you hate? What do you love? What can't you do? What can you do? If you don't know, go find out. Grow track step two, Amber. Huh? Now that I know how I'm designed, then what? Understand, quit trying to go for success and be significant. Just do what you can do. I want to know the plan for my life. Then look around at what needs to be done, start doing it, and let God's purpose find you. Because if I was to leave you on any statement, if I could drop an invisible mic, it would be this. Every person, every human being is called for a plan to show God to other people. That's what it is. That's your plan. That's your purpose. To show who God is. Lord, I thank you for who you are, your faithfulness. Lord, your word that's still alive and working in our lives today. And I just believe with all of my heart and all of my spirit that there's a reason why you didn't just abduct me after I gave my heart to you. There's a reason why every Christian that's in this room didn't just go to heaven on day one. And it's because you've got a purpose and a plan for our lives. And your Bible shows it all throughout. And for the individual who's sitting here who's been told that they're insignificant, been told God doesn't have a plan for their life, have been told there's nothing about them that's special, I tell the devil right now, he's a liar. And that you created them and designed them with a destiny and a plan. You gave them the things they like. You gave them the things they hate for a reason and a purpose. And you want them to impact lives. For the individual who's been searching and been looking, let them hear today. If you'll just stop searching and start serving, I promise you, your purpose will find you. I promise you, God has a purpose and a plan for your life. Look around and do what you can do. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you, Lord, for the calling. Thank you, Lord, for the talent that helps my career, but thank you for the anointing that gives me my calling. Thank you for the plan. Thank you for the purpose of future hope and good, not disaster. In Jesus' name I pray, and everybody said amen.